the things I've mentioned, am I against them? Yeah. That's not my identity. My identity is Christ. And He is the fountain of living water. The fulfillment of the promise of Jeremiah 2. That there is a fountain. We sing about it. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. That sinners plunge beneath its flow, lose all their guilty stains. But it's so much more than just sin washing. It is soul satisfying. And so what we're talking about today is joy in every situation. The capacity, the miraculous capacity God gives every one of us as believers. And if you're not a believer, He offers to you this capacity to have joy in any situation. Every week we've reviewed this first part. I'm going to review it all the way through till Christmas. So here's the first three. Christian joys related to faith. All joy is we trust things to deliver. We connect ourselves to something because we think it will deliver joy or satisfaction or happiness. And so we connect ourselves to things hoping that those things will deliver. Jesus tells us, the second part, Christian joy is related to fruit, that our joy is found by connecting ourselves to Jesus. He said, abide in me as a branch abides in a vine. If you don't abide in me, there's, you're dead. But if you abide in me, you'll bear fruit. And then he says, I'm telling you all these things so that my joy will be in you. And that your joy will be made full. That's in John 15. Jesus wants us to understand that the pursuit of joy is trusting that my connection to Him will deliver by the fruit of who He is flowing through who I'm becoming. That's why I abide in Jesus. Third, Christian joy is related to the future. Not all joys are attained now. Most are delayed gratification for the future. And that's why in the parable of the stewards, Jesus said as his reward to the good steward, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Enter the joy of your master. The joy that we will have eternally is the consummation, the culmination of all possible joys rolled up into an eternal bliss of joy that is unending and ever-increasing, infinite and eternal. So today what I want to do is use Paul's situation... And show some things that he knew and he taught and how he responded. If you haven't been able to be here for the first couple of sermons about this, we're reading a letter from an apostle called by Jesus, whose name is Paul, who, after being very anti-Christian, was converted, began following Jesus, and became probably apart from Christ Himself, of course, the greatest preacher of the Gospel ever. 
And the Apostle Paul carried out his ministry faithfully, and it often landed him in persecution. The book of Philippians is written from a jail cell, from a Roman jail cell. It's been called the book of joy because it oozes, it drips, it floods with the joy that a man has in Jesus in the midst of harsh situation. And so the first thing I want you to know about Paul and his understanding of his situation, number one, is that Paul knows that joy is found in the sovereign authority of Jesus over every situation. In Matthew 18, excuse me, Matthew 28, 18, when Jesus got ready to send his disciples on their mission, his apostles to do their work, the church to carry out the task of global evangelism, he didn't start with go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He didn't start there. He started in verse 18. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Who's the boss? Jesus is the boss. Where is he the boss? He's the boss in heaven. And where is he the boss? He's the boss on earth. Jesus said, some authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Good, I'm glad you called me on that. All! (laughs) Think about that. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to one person. The one who loves you and delivered himself up for you. That's who's in charge. The one who's in charge of the universe Right now, big picture and your little universe, little picture, is the one who loved you so much that he shed his blood, gave his life, suffered for you instead of you. Was raised from the dead and now reigns at the right hand of God the Father with all authority. And so when Paul was going into a situation, he knew this. He talked about it all through the things that he writes about. He speaks of it with things like, God works all things together for good for those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose. It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He knew who's in charge. Do you? Do you know who's in charge of everything from your local universe to the big whole universe? Jesus Christ is Lord. And at some point in the future, I wish it'd be quick, before November, every knee is going to bow to the one who's in charge. And every tongue is going to confess to the one who's in charge. Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul sat in his prison cell with the calm assurance that the one who sins is the one who assures. And that is why 
the pebbles of persecution could not splash the joy out of Paul's life. The pebbles of circumstance could not splash the joy out of Paul's life because his joy was not in a cistern. His joy came from a fountain. Jeremiah chapter 2, the fountain of living waters. And so part of why the Apostle has so much joy is that he found joy in the sovereign authority of Jesus over how many situations? How many? Does that mean the one you're in right now? Does that mean the one you were in last week and the one you're going to be in next week? He's, he's over this. And He is sovereign. And He is good. I was thinking, Wendy, I think that's the best illustration I've ever seen. Now, let me tell you why. Because as she started doing it, I started thinking, you know what the problem is? The mixing bowl is our stomach. And God puts the ingredients in one at a time and we have to swallow them. So part of your life is going to be taking raw eggs that make you want to vomit and getting them from here to the mixing bowl so He can whoop up some joy in your heart. But because we're too busy spitting out what we don't like about God in our lives, we're never getting the joy because all the ingredients are necessary. All of them. And I know that you've tasted the bitterness of vanilla when it's not mixed into something. It's horrid. And I know you're not like Rocky, loving to drink those eggs raw. Remember it? Remember Rocky breaking those eggs in? I was in there going, oh, that's tough. When I was in Ecuador, I had recently received the uh, diagnosis that I had cancer and and Mauricio wanted to save my life. He's the bus driver. He wanted to save my life. So he made this concoction. And the primary ingredient is an aloe vera plant. Now, you know how nasty those things are? And he blended it up. I don't know what else he put in it, but I don't think any of it was intended for my mouth. But, but he blended it up and, and he said, Oh, Pastor, please drink this. Please drink this. It'll save your life. It'll stop the cancer. It may have worked. I drank some and I'm clear. So that's a good thing. Maybe Mauricio, maybe God working through Mauricio. I need to tell him. I want to tell you, as soon as it hit my mouth, I hate to say it. I just went, I mean, it was bad. And he just laughed at me like I was such a wimp. I said, Mauricio, I'm a wimp. It's not like this is not a secret. I want to tell you this. Some of the things that God's going to do to give you joy are going to gag you on their way to the mixing bowl of your heart. But you need to trust Him enough to let Him do His work. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I could camp there all day long. Second, joy is found in seeing the work of work God is doing in and through us in every situation. Watch Paul. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Paul chose what he was going to look at. You see, very often, the problem that we have with our circumstance is how we look at them. 
Because we do not trust the hand of God to be good, even if he's giving us one ingredient at a time that tastes bad, that he's going to stir up in our heart and eventually give us joy because of all those things that come into our heart and how he rattles us around and mixes it up and gives us the brownie delight of joy in our heart. I don't know what's going on with you right now, but if we keep spitting out and complaining about the situations that God puts us in, we'll never be people of joy. Never. We're never going to be that. Paul wasn't sitting here going, guys, let me tell you something. This is a really tough prison. Let me tell you, it's, it's cold and it's dingy and it's, you know, chains and I don't get the room service that I like and just, no. He chooses to look at something. In other words, Jesus gives him a set of eyes that rise above his circumstance. You say, Pastor Bart, how is that possible? Paul gives a prescription for it back in chapter 4. And we're going to camp there in about a month. In chapter 4, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But look at the follow-up. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... Whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. You choose what you focus on every day. You choose it. When you get up and you start down a path of thought in the morning, you're choosing your path. If you want to sit and assess everything that tastes bad in your life and spend the rest of your day pondering, What all is wrong? What all's broken? What all's bad? Who all's hurt you? If you choose that path, you will not have the joy of seeing God working through your situation. You'll be blind to it. Absolutely blind. All you'll see is your circumstance. That's not how Paul did it. What did Paul do? He said, guess what? Guess what? Gospel's getting out. That's what God called me to do. That's the one thing. Get the gospel out. Gospel's getting out. Look in Philippians 1. So that my imprisonment, verse 13, for the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. And to everyone else, he's seeing beyond the circumstance because he chooses to see God at work. And he has joy. Joy in jail. Joy in chains. Joy in lack. Joy in need. Joy in want. For I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance which I am in. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am so sorry we've reduced that to a verse on the wall of a locker room before a football game because I think it has nothing to do with that. I think what it has to do with is what kind of person you are when the things, the ingredients that God is putting in your mouth taste bad. When the joy has not yet been mixed in your heart to the delight of a good brownie, 
and you're having to swallow the raw eggs of your situation, and you booger up your face with that Baptist. That's why I love church curmudgeon. Because he really nails us. Because a lot of Baptists, that's kind of the thing. It's like, what do y'all serve? Lemons at church? We should come out rejoicing in the One who we sing of. That He is a fountain of living water. And so joy is found in seeing the work God is doing through us in every situation. God, give me eyes to see beyond my circumstance to something beyond and outside of me. And so Paul did. He says, you know what? The Gospel's getting to the, all the guards. I've been able to share with all the guards. And it's going from guard to guard now. The guards are talking to each other. And then, because the guards are talking to each other, everybody else is listening. In fact, the whole prison system has now heard the Gospel. And what does he say? I will rejoice. So, it's found in seeing. It's also found, number three, in sharing the work God is doing in us and through us in every situation. This is part that's lacking. When we have joy in something, we talk about it. When is the last time? I want you to be honest. Don't say it out loud. Just right there. When is the last time you shared your joy in Jesus with anybody? Anybody. When is the last time you shared your joy in Jesus with anybody? I'm not talking about your joy in church. I'm not talking about your joy in... in, I'm talking about your joy in Jesus. When is the last time you shared your joy in Jesus with anybody? Here's the deal. We talk about what gives us joy. And if we're not talking about Jesus, it's because... We're not enjoying Him. We talk about what gives us joy. Watch what C.S. Lewis says about this. Follow me. Go with me, Joe. The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. This is C.S. Lewis talking. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. Go ahead, Joe. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, Romeo praising Juliet and vice versa. Readers their favorite poet, walkers praising their countryside. Players praising their favorite game. Praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses. Back then, motors was cars. Horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. God forbid. Except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere, praise almost almost seems to be inner health made audible. Keep going. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. Why is Paul 
praising his situation, praising the God of his situation, because his joy is disconnected from it. Paul had been given the all things through Christ ability to not have to connect his joy and satisfaction to his current situation. That was a miraculous work of Jesus. And as a result, he talked about what gave him joy. The gospel, Jesus, the King, God, the Father. He talked about it not because he had a seven-step plan of sharing the gospel in jail, but because he found his joy in Jesus. It was Jesus and his work he spoke of. So, in order to be a good steward with your time, one more spot here, Joe. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards to the supremely valuable what we delight to do, what indeed we can't help doing about everything else we value. When something gives us joy, we talk about it unless there's some compelling reason not to. We talk about it. Okay, um, I'm going to try to wrap this up, and then it's going to spill over into next week. So here we go. Number four. Joy is found in suffering for the work of God, excuse me, for the work God is doing in and through us in every situation. Um, And I'm going to have to stop at this point, and then we're going to pick up and make... All next week, this next point. So, bear with me. How many of you have heard of Adoniram Judson? Y'all know him? I want a hands if you've heard of him. Okay, a little bit. Everyone here, get your pencil. Write the name Adoniram Judson down. I think he's the greatest of all modern missionaries. Now, there's a reason he's the greatest. I'm not going to lay all that out today. But as he got ready to go to Burma and bring the gospel to Burma, he fell in love with a young lady and wanted to ask her hand in marriage. And so he did what you are supposed to do. You ask the dad first. And so this next statement is what he wrote to the dad in proposing marriage to the daughter. Watch what happens. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Go ahead. Can you consent to all this for the sake of Him (laughs) who left His heavenly home and died for her and for you and for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness, brightened with the acclamations of praise, which shall redound to her Savior from the heathens saved through her means from eternal woe? And despair. Dad, what would you say to that letter? 
You see, Adoniram Judson understood that there is a kind of joy in suffering. Because suffering is one of the bitter ingredients that God decides to let you taste in order that if you will not spit it out, when it lands in the depth of your soul, He will mix it into the delight of joy. Adoniram Judson did that. And this letter was prophetic. Her response to a friend, I feel willing and expect, if nothing in providence prevents, to spend my days in this world in heathen lands. Yes, Lydia, I have about come to the determination to give up all my comforts and enjoyments here, sacrifice my affection to relatives and friends, and go where God in His providence shall see fit to place me. Why? There are bigger joys than a smooth life on this earth. There are. There are eternal joys. Would you bow with me? I, with all my heart, believe what I've told you today. I believe it first because it is the inspired, perfect Word of God with no error. It is, it, is, it is what He says. It's straight from the book. Jesus has all authority. Jesus gives us the capacity to see in the midst of our situation some of the things He's doing if we look beyond the circumstance. Jesus wants us to share the joy that's commanded all through the Scriptures to rejoice in the Lord always. Some of you are here today and the last ingredient that passed through your mouth was bitter. And you've camped on that flavor. The last ingredient that God was putting in your soul for your joy was foul tasting. And you're camped right there. And you're stuck. You know that He's good, but you've lost the kind of trust you once had. That you really believe that God does work all things together for good. So here you sit, and you're souring in the joyless bitterness of the flavor of the last ingredient that you got stuck on. But God knows that you needed it. God knows it was for your good. And just like a baby who keeps spitting their baby food out, the persistent parent just keeps coming back and saying, you have to eat this. It is good for you. And so there you are. And you're angry at God and you're angry at people and your joy has evaporated 
because somehow it was tied to some circumstance and God has let your life be frustrated by splashing the joy out of a shallow pool of what used to make you happy. Because He has something better for you. He wants to break open the floodgate of the fountain of living water and rush a mighty stream into your heart named Jesus and let you this day pray with David. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Can you pray that today? You see, in order for David to have that, he had to swallow the bitter medicine of Nathan's rebuke. You are the man. But once he did, sweetness came back. How about you? Some of you, you got your mouth closed all together because you don't want any part of Jesus. You can try to find joy in something else. I want to tell you, He loves you and He offers this to you by washing you clean of your sin and by loving you and pouring out soul-satisfying joy in you. So much so that you could write a letter just like this from a prison cell. It may not be inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it would flow with joy beyond your circumstance. So I'm, I'm challenging you today. Have His joy. Would you have His joy today? Would you open your heart? Would you open your mouth and say, Lord, if every ingredient is going to eventually lead to joy, all right, I'm going to drink those. I'm going to drink those those raw eggs today. I'm going to I'm going to swallow that bitter vanilla. I'm going to chomp down on this powdered mix. I'm going to get. I'm going to drink this old greasy. Old, I'm going to get it in me because I want your joy. So let's go. Would you do that today? The Bible says. Open wide your mouth. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you stand as God stirs your heart? Would you just do as He leads?
tell you, but I don't get to. Saves a little bit of prep time for next week. Uh, I love you. And my, my greatest desire is for you to have joy in Jesus. And that's my prayer. Um, our team is on the ground in Ecuador. I have warned people when they engage in the work to reach the Satchila, that there are incredible persecutions that come with that. And I don't ever say that lightly, and so I need to give you a very particular prayer request. Uh, Shane Brodnax, who is one of our team members, uh, who is there on the ground right now, yesterday afternoon evening, his father-in-law was run over by a tractor. And uh, he's in the hospital, and Shane is there uh, in Ecuador, there are a lot of wars that go on for the work to bring the gospel into darkness. So please pray. All I know is that his last name is Gunter. Some of you may know him and can give me a whole name. That's all I have right now. I uh, had a, a rapid conversation with the team this morning, and, uh, and I, I can't recall the first name. So join me in praying. Uh, come back tonight. Kevin will be teaching Bible study here in the sanctuary if you love to come in and spend time together as a group on Sunday evening, uh, we'll sing together, pray together. Kevin will be sharing the Lord's Word. Small groups will be meeting at the same time. Also at 6.30 tonight, uh, the associational meeting of the churches is going on. And Robert Daniel, our associational missions director, y'all say hey to Robert real quick. Hey, Robert, glad you're here. You can clap for him. Go ahead. Yeah. Remind me of the location, Robert. I didn't bring a note up here with me. Father, frustrate us if we try to get joy anywhere but Jesus. So much so that we will find Him the way Paul found Him. A source of contentment in any and every circumstance. Because I can do all things through 
Christ who strengthens me. In Jesus' name, amen.